Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's Morphin' Time! Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. My name is Eric Dewey. You may remember me from such podcasts as Socially Awkward Studios and uh, the occasional guest hosting gig on Starfleet Escape Podcast right here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network. Along the way with me is Chris. Hey, hey. And we're here to talk to you about everything that doesn't matter. Everything that doesn't matter. That's a, that's, that's a pretty broad, uh, broad base there. Indeed it is, which is uh, why we're using this opportunity for our first, our premiere pilot episode, if you will, whatever you want to call it, uh, to instead of delving into one of our topics right off the bat, we're going to use this as an opportunity to introduce ourselves and uh, to talk about what the show is going to talk about later on. <laughs> <laughs> So when we say everything that doesn't matter, we're really talking about what What are we talking about? We're talking about uh, pop culture. We're talking about uh, movies and TV shows and video games, uh, beer. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's so much that falls under the umbrella of things that people usually write off as not mattering. We're not talking about work. We're not talking about politics. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about the things that people usually say, this, this is the stuff that matters. Um, we're talking about the other stuff. However, it's the, it's the little things in life, you know, things that people nerd out about, people geek out about, things that are important to, you know, people, things that are important to me, things that are important to, to Eric, um, the little things in life, things that, you know, you're kind of, there's anything you're passionate about, and you really just throw a lot of energy into that the other people, other normal, quote unquote, normal people <laughs> in society would say, what the hell is that all about? That's, you know, that's everything that doesn't matter. What's important to you? What are you passionate about? And and that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, it's the, it's the stuff that uh, most regular, you know, average, average ordinary people just think of as the, the extra stuff. It's it's the stuff that you do between the important things. However, we the feel... The quote-unquote important things. Exactly, yes. Like, <laughs> like, like work, work. And I mean, yes, it's important to to provide. It's important to uh, be a member of a functioning member of society. And sometimes that means working. Sometimes that means volunteering if you can, you know, all of those type of things. And, and we love that uh, as, as for what it is, you know, like I go to work each day. I don't necessarily love my job, but I like that I have a job that allows me to provide for my family. So I don't, I don't hate the fact that I have a job. It, it sometimes sucks. It sometimes gets in the way of the other things that I would much rather be doing. But I understand why. Um, but it's not something that I want to sit around and talk about either. It's not something that I, uh, you know, when I go out after work, we're not talking about work and stuff. We're talking about what movies we want to see, what, what what's what's going on in the MCU, what's going to happen now with Spider-Man, with, with Sony and all that, you know. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. And we feel that even though it, quote unquote, doesn't matter, it really kind of does. Because without that stuff, life would be just darn right boring. And I think everybody would pretty much go completely insane in a real legitimate way. Yeah. <laughs> it would be it would be madness if work and just the, the mundanities of life were the only things. I, I think it would be uh, just a terrible, terrible life to live. Completely agree. So I, I guess the question is, you know, we understand why we think these things matter when everybody else doesn't. 
why do you think it is that a lot of people tend to write this stuff off as not mattering or not being important, even though, as we've we've talked about, it, it can be. It can be very important. You gotta have that work-life balance and such, you know? I, I agree. I mean, I think for so long, and especially in, in America, there's been an emphasis on what are you doing to be a, a functioning member of society? What are you doing to provide for your family? You know, how are you, how hard are you hitting the pavement every day? And in other countries, you don't see that. You see a, a much more, especially in like the Scandinavian and European countries and in Canada, you see more life work balance as opposed to work life balance. You see more time granted for people to spend with their families, you know, more time for vacations, um, social programs set up to let people, you know, drop their kids off at daycare as they go to their job, you know, go spend an hour to two hours with them at lunch and then pick them up on their way back out to whatever, you know, form of mass transit or whatever vehicle they use to take home. So I think that's why in the States you see a lot of people looking down their noses at folks like us who we just want to be who we are. We want to be authentic. We want to emote about what we love. And sometimes people are really exceedingly judgy if what you're emoting (laughs) about, you know, isn't building your status or building your personal brand or, you know, anything like that. I agree there's a place for all of that, but I don't think that should be your number one driver in life. And that's kind of what this when when Eric and I sat down to talk about building this podcast or fleshing out this podcast is, you know, what doesn't matter and why and how can we kind of pivot that and talk about that in a way that that reaches out to people and and connects with people and get them to talk back to us and say, this is what I love. This is this is what I'm geeking out about right now. And if what you're geeking out about right now is you know, a Warhammer 40k cosplay that you thought was really sweet or you're building. We want to see pictures of that or we want to see video of that. If what you're emoting about right now is the new series Carnival Row on Amazon, which I'm kind of near to out and about right now, then let's hear what you think about that. Eric, what are your thoughts? I, I agree. Yeah, we definitely want to hear from you guys, from our listeners. We want to know what you're talking about these days, what, what you're thinking about, what you're doing. Even if it's not something that we bring up on the show, you know, because not everybody nerds out about the same stuff. Um, you know, I a good example is I just changed positions at work, and so I had to move my desk. And my desk is a very eclectic combination <laughs> of trinkets and memorabilia and little little things that are all that that remind me of my fandoms, and also remind me of a life outside of that that cubicle you know if i had to look at the if i have to sit within the in these same three walls for eight hours a day five days a week for years i want it to be a reflection of who i am on the inside and what that is is a giant mess of nerd stuff (laughs) so my desk definitely reflects who i am on the inside because it is just like i said a very eclectic mix of star trek stuff star wars stuff uh, doctor who stuff Um, i've got artwork from many of the artists that i've met over the years doing podcasts back in phoenix Um, i've got a lot of stuff from uh, val hochberg who is just a fantastic artist go check her out Uh, it's kick dash girl on almost every every social media platform or just search for kick girl, her comic, her web comic. It's fantastic. Um, 
I've got a ton of her stuff on my desk. I've got stuff on my desk from uh, Raven, uh, Revenge Lover Designs, who is a sponsor of the show. So go check her out as well. Might as well just throw that in there. Um, go to revengelover.com to check out her work. And if you do commission her to do something, mention that you heard about her on a four-eyed radio show, and you will receive 10% off of your order. So there's that as well. Um, but yeah, like when I was putting up all my stuff, you know, yeah, other people at work, they've got some pictures of their family. And I, I, I do have pictures of my wife and daughter on my desk as well. You know, it's not just the nerd stuff. I do have some the family stuff there as well but um most of most of the people just have either functional stuff or just just straight up family stuff um one of the ladies there is a big big into running so she's got a lot of stuff pictures of her finishing races and stuff like that and with with right. other people and things like that which is totally cool but it's all just like pictures and and all that everything else is completely 100 percent work related and i'm just like that's i i couldn't just look at just that for yeah. for that long i need i need stuff that reminds me of things outside this and even with that i end up moving stuff around like every couple of months i'll like clean my desk and just move stuff around i might decide to take one piece of art home and replace it with something else when i changed desks i changed out a whole bunch of my art um you know i had like four different uh mini prints from val for example and i took those home and brought in new ones instead because i had some that i hadn't displayed at all anywhere yet and i hadn't even put them up here in the studio um my studio is very much like my desk at work it's also got a lot of val stuff some raven stuff uh, <laughs> uh a, a hand drawing of jabba the hut you know, having relations with a dragon that uh sarah wilkinson Boy, that's from, a rule 34 for you um <laughs> it, it, it all stemmed from an episode of socially awkward studios here on four eyed radio network where we had sarah and her husband rob on as a guest they are red nebula studios check them out online too they make some fantastic stuff some just absolutely beautiful art and props and such definitely check out red nebula studios and we were i i don't know how it happened exactly, but somehow the conversation turned into into Rule 34, and we had been talking previously about her love of drawing dragons, and that's how I, you know, somebody suggested, well, what about Jabba the Hutt and a dragon doing it? And so for my birthday, she drew me a picture of a dragon and Jabba the Hutt with the note, you asked for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I've got that. I've got some stuff from uh, Benjamin Glenn Denning, who's a Skulljammer Productions, a fantastic artist, great comic writer. Uh, check him out, too. I mean, just lots of these little things and i've got all this stuff and, and the people are they say why do you need so much stuff and i told them i'm like i want to surround myself with things that remind me of the world outside of this cubicle and my right. world outside of this cubicle a lot of times gravitates towards these different fandoms you know i have stuff regarding comic care the charity that i helped found um i have stuff regarding the network obviously i've got my business cards up there so if somebody wanted to walk by and like wow this guy's got a whole ton of weird stuff oh like look business cards like I've got my network business card sitting on my desk in case anybody wants to snag one. Um, you know, I've got all these different things, all these different things. A lot of them remind me of people. Other ones remind me of just things, you know, like the Star Trek stuff. It not only reminds me of Star Trek and my love of it, but it also reminds me of the fun I have podcasting about Star Trek on the Starfleet Escape podcast, um, especially Discovery, which just recently was released. Uh, if you haven't watched Discovery yet, go get the free trial of CBS All Access for the, the week or month or whatever they give you for free and watch it. Watch those first two seasons. Uh, they are phenomenal. So well done. Um, you'll love yeah. it. Um, just great. Even if you're not a Trek fan necessarily, 
it is just fantastic storytelling in a beautifully done just the effects the graphics everything are amazing the acting is phenomenal the writing is great the direction is amazing i mean it's just all around just a good show even if you're not necessarily a star trek person to begin with and if you are a star trek fan then you know hey bonus points So hey, uh, you told me this theme song is pretty awesome. Why don't you why don't you roll that theme tune for uh, for everyone, and uh, then we can come back and you know, do some more intros. And I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Is this a kissing book? Whole <laughs> generations of disposable people We're talking about slavery. Don't. So I got that going, which is nice. So yeah, that theme song is pretty cool. I like how you how you edited that together. Oh, thank you. Sure. It's pretty I close to what it's pretty close to what you said it was going to be. I uh, I like that. That was good. All right, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I um hopefully uh, it gives people a little impression of what we're about without being too overwhelming, and uh, you know yeah. we'll uh, let people know if hey uh, let us know what you think. Hit us up. We are available uh, online, social media wise. We have a Twitter account, we have a Facebook account, and we have an Instagram account, uh, which you can contact the both of us on any time you want. Uh, everything is under at it matters not pod. So search for that on whatever your preferred social media platform is and you will find us. If you forget that, feel free to just visit our website at everythingthatdoesnmatter.com and uh, the links will all be there as well. Exactly, exactly. So, so uh, Eric, why don't you lead off and tell us a little bit about yourself and, and then I'll chime in with whatever boring stuff I can come up with. <laughs> uh, well, I figure we should just introduce ourselves just a little bit uh, for those who don't know, who haven't maybe heard any other shows on the 4-Eyed Radio Network. Uh, my name is Eric Dewey. I am a gigantic nerd. I am a, a huge fan of Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, sci-fi in general is usually my jam. Um, I am also obviously heavily into podcasting. I run the 4-Eyed Radio Network, on which this show will be distributed. Um, as well as being co-host on some other shows in the past and sometimes currently, depending on uh, availability and whatnot. I used to be a main member of the Socially Awkward Studios show, which is a live podcast, broadcast usually every Friday night, but the guys have been doing it lately on Thursdays or Fridays, depending on their availability. Um, A few years ago, I moved from Arizona out to Ohio. So when that happened, it wasn't feasible for me to be uh, part of the the weekly live show anymore. So I've done a couple of guest spots here and there, and uh, Chris and I have actually taken over the feed uh, before to just do our own thing on the socially awkward uh, <laughs> under the socially awkward banner. Um, <clears throat> That was but, that was a rambling three hours of social awkwardness, I'll tell you. Yeah, it was, was, it, it was good. It, it was good. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out well. Um, I just had, got a, had a hankering for podcasting and hadn't been able to in a while. I missed out on the last few episodes of uh, Starfleet Escape Pod because of scheduling conflicts, so I wasn't able to – I hadn't been down in my studio for a little while. I built myself a, a little podcasting studio in the basement. Um, I've hosted some shows down here live. Um, when the Ballpark Bros were doing their show every week, they would come here. And I would uh, produce that with them. Um, So, yeah, I've been doing the podcasting thing for a while now. Um, I find it to be fun. I find it to be relaxing as far as uh, it it can be a lot of work. But at the same time, I enjoy doing it so it doesn't feel necessarily like work most of the time. And 
I really enjoy just talking and being able to to speak freely about whatever subject I want to without anyone being able to necessarily interrupt me or cut me off when they don't want to uh, to hear what I have to say or tell me I'm boring. Yeah, if you're out there and you think that, then you can just stop the show and I never know about it. So <laughs> in the meantime, I have the microphone, so you will listen to every damn word I have to say. Uh, but that's what I like about podcasting. It, it gives me the opportunity to express myself in a medium that I feel is easy to enjoy. I like listening to podcasts. It's something that I can listen to at work or in the car, uh, whereas, you know, like a blog or something like that, you, you can't necessarily read a blog or watch YouTube videos when you're driving or at work. I mean, well, at least you shouldn't while you're driving. And most workplaces <laughs> are not going to allow you to, at least most I of the time. I sometimes let YouTube videos and, and streaming media play on my phone while I'm driving in the car. <laughs> so I feel guilty there. I, I've, I've done it too, I will admit. Especially stuff that I, if, if I've seen it a million times and I know I don't really have to look at it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm more listening than anything, but yeah, it, yeah. it's something that uh, I haven't done recently, but I used to, when I had a long commute to work, uh, I would sometimes have Netflix going. <laughs> <laughs> we're bad. We're, we're Hopefully the statute of limitations is up on that. Nobody knows who I am. I didn't give my name or anything. Oh, crap. Um, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Okay, but uh, yeah, I, you know where I work isn't important. I do a boring job. I try to do it as well as possible, um, but that's not really. I don't. I don't think of it. It's not a career, so I don't really think of it as part of who I am. It really is just a job. I'm still working on what I want to be when I grow up. Um, I'm only forty, so I still have time, right, to figure that out. Yep, that's how that works. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. I really enjoy the podcasting gig. Um, I love doing this. I love talking to people, and uh, hopefully, you guys out there listening will reach out to us. Um, my favorite thing is interacting with listeners. Uh, you know, being able to, to to interact with people who have listened to the show and talk to them about the things that we've talked about online, whether it be on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, wherever it happens to be. I love that interaction. And uh, so definitely reach out to us. Um, if we don't get completely overwhelmed, uh, happily give you a shout out on the next show if you are talking to us. And uh, if you share something that you're really passionate about, we'll definitely give you a shout out about that as well. So we want to hear from you. Uh, so that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. And you'll get to know me better as we, as we progress through these episodes and talk about specific topics. You'll find out what I get really excited about or uh, am underwhelmed with and that sort of thing. And Hopefully we'll we'll all get to know each other better in the process. <laughs> so Chris, how about you? Who is Chris? Uh, okay. So forty something, married, nerd, geek, uh, child of the seventies and eighties. You know, kind of grew up on Voltron and GI Joe and Doctor Who and Star Wars and Star Trek. Um, I have a I have a career which you know I do fairly well at. Worked in IT for twenty years and. Now I'm, you know, mostly playing video games and reading books and watching movies and occasionally podcasting with, you know, some crazy guy I met and on, you know, via video games about 10 years ago. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, quiet, socially awkward, nerdy, introverted, and surprisingly seeing as I'm quote unquote hosting a podcast. But, uh, you know, it's just I like being a nerd. I like being a geek. I like talking about what I love and uh, I don't particularly give a 
rats behind if somebody doesn't like what I like and they don't have to like it. They don't have to listen to it and they can find some other podcast that they want to listen to. But um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Oh, and I like scotch and beer and you know, occasionally cigars depending on the weather and who's around and you know how good the cigar is. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll get to know you even better as we start talking about specific topics and getting into more of more more detail uh into specific things you know most shows that we do will have a specific focus a specific topic on which we'll be discussing the the pros cons the highs lows whatever it may be um we'll have some different things going on if there's something out there that you guys think you'd like to hear us talk about feel free to make suggestions i don't guarantee that it'll happen <laughs> it might just be something that neither one of us are really interested in and uh that you know hey it happens um as you said chris i i don't expect people to like the same things as me all the time i used to i used to be unfortunately one of those guys who would get so upset if i you know recommended something to somebody and they're like oh yeah no i didn't like that and i'm like what how could you not like oh and then i realized that doesn't accomplish anything it's like if i like something i will recommend it if you say you don't like it or don't want to try it whatever it's like okay that's that's fine you don't have to um if i I don't if i don't like what you like don't be a shit lord just you know (laughs) yeah exactly because that's (laughs) let's just let's just walk away from one another and realize that we have a mutual love for different things so we go on yeah look for the look for the similarities instead of focusing on the differences you know like i love recommending things to people but if they tell me straight up nope not interested then Okay, not a problem. And, you know, I hope that I would get the same respect back if somebody tries to recommend something to me. I've had people recommend things to me before that they think I would like based on my my current fandoms. And I've tried them and not liked them or just not found the interest or whatever. And I would expect to to have that decision respected. Um, However, there is something special about recommending something to somebody and then having them come back uh, a week or two later and being like, Oh my God, I'm so glad you recommended this to me. It was fantastic. You know, and then being able to share that joy and that excitement with them. Um, that, that is a special feeling. And so I will continue to recommend things to people. I just don't get mad if they choose not to take the recommendation. That's all. Uh, yeah. Back in the day I used to be, unfortunately, like I said, one of those guys who would just, try to force my fandom down your throat. I'm like, no, 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 you have to like this because it's awesome. You can't not like it. It's not possible to not like this. How dare you? You must be a mole person from outer space if you don't like this. Um, But no, everybody has different tastes. Everybody likes different things. Um, If we didn't, imagine the lack of creativity there'd be in the world. If everybody liked exactly the same things, we'd only have one type of TV show or one type of movie or one comic book in the entire world or something like that. You know, imagine how boring life would be if everybody agreed all the time. Yeah. Um, I I do tend to dunk on, uh, you know, Honey Boo Boo and the Kardashians (laughs) quite a bit. So you may hear me dunk on those shows. And if you like those shows, I'm sorry. I'm I'm so, so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You won't, you won't get an argument. Really phenomenally sorry that you enjoy those shows. Yes. Sorry (laughs) that you enjoy those shows. I am so sorry that you are so wrong in your life decisions. Um, it's, um, I apologize deeply for your lack of taste. Um, (laughs) yeah, I think that's something that we can both agree on anyway. Those reality shows are, uh, for the most part, terrible. Um, I mean, for the very, very, very much most part i mean there are so few examples of reality television that i can tolerate much less like um i i will dunk on big brother for the glory of the klingon empire i swear (laughs) to god i will i'm sorry (laughs) 
Uh, so, yeah, I never understood. Like, I'm just going to set understand. that ground rule right now. If you like that show, you're not going to like me. You may as well just delete this <laughs> podcast and just move on to something else. Because it may sound like I'm preaching tolerance in the name of tolerance's sake, but I'm really not. <laughs> this is this is this is explicitly a podcast for the geeks and nerds of society who feel like society is judging them for what they love. If you feel that way, you're one of us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I never. Oh man, reality TV. I I cannot understand the appeal. Just the name immediately turns me off because I use TV and movies and games and books and comics and all of that as escapism. I am not a big fan of nonfiction. Like my reading list, um, you're not going to find biographies on there very often. You're not going to find uh, you know documentaries on my watch list very often. I don't. I don't do true crime movies for the most part, even if they mm-hmm. are interesting. I will occasionally, you know, sometimes they'll make one that's interesting enough. Um, I'm watching Mindhunter on Netflix right now under a recommendation. Hear, it's kind of a blend. very good things about that. It, it is. I would say it's a slow start. You want to give yourself at least two episodes before you make any decisions because I almost stopped watching halfway through the first episode because I, th- I felt it was going too slow. And mm-hmm. I had just finished watching... I just fish, finished uh, binging through... Um, Spit it out, boy. Oh, my gosh. I can, <laughs> why can I not think of what I watched immediately before? Because uh, I just watched something, and I was like, oh, my God, this was so great. And then I was looking was for glow, recommendations. You were, watching, you were watching Glow. <laughs> Actually, I've heard good yeah. things about that. Um, Matthew from Socially Awkward Studios and uh, The Fro Show... He has recommended that. He said it's a it's a fun show. I have not had a chance to take him up on that recommendation yet. I've had too many other things uh, on my on my list. Um, oh, that is going to make me nuts! I cannot think of the show I was watching immediately before I started watching this. It, oh my! It was so good too. <laughs> I think everybody should well, check it well out. While you're thinking on that, I uh, I threw The Wandering Earth into my queue a while back, and that was pretty impressive. That was a fun show. Wandering Earth? Yes. I don't think I've heard of it's, that. Where? What uh, streaming platform is that on? That's that's a. It was on Netflix, okay. and that is a Chinese-produced film. And if any of you, or if you have read or heard of the Three Body Problem series of novels by I think it's Cheshin Liao, I probably butchered the pronunciation because of the the whole tonality of Chinese language. But um, it's a great series, and it's basically. The sun is expanding um, about three billion years ahead of schedule and starts expanding closer and closer to Earth. So United Earth government forms and society bands together and basically builds a series of mountain-sized rocket engines across the face of the planet and begins moving Earth towards uh, Alpha Centauri. And it's the struggles that they go through, and it kind of it's it's kind of a generational story, uh, at least based on how he's done his other his other works. But it kind of leads into what could be a generational story, telling you know like the first maybe 20 years of this effort. And it was it's called the Wandering Earth Project, and it, it was it was pretty good. Okay, yeah, I might have to to check that out. It's, sounds interesting. I did try the um, I did start watching Another Life on Netflix. Yes. I did not really – it hasn't grabbed me. I'm only about four episodes deep. Um, it's one of those ones that I kind of uh, – it hasn't – I don't know. It just it, it hasn't grabbed me the way that other shows have in the past. But it might be one of those ones that's more of a, a slow burn. Um, 
Yeah, it's a, a very uneven season, but there's more good than bad. And I kind of stuck with it because I didn't have anything better to do, but I'm kind of glad I did. Right. And well, I did. Uh, I, I watched it over a couple of days, and it was it was really good. It's got a, a um, Katie Sackhoff in it from uh, Battlestar Galactica, and um, there's no one else really there that I could name as a as a, a marquee name. But um, she does a great job. the The concept is, you know, it's pretty pretty much done in science fiction where um alien ship shows up on the face of earth and of course that's our first realization that there is alien life elsewhere in the galaxy and then it shoots a signal back towards some other star cluster and then humanity bands together to launch a a cross-cultural um crew or or and more so um to intersect with this with this planet and uh, and try and learn more about these aliens. Meanwhile, there's stuff unfolding back on Earth. There's drama unfolding on the ship, and uh, it's it's an uneven ride, but it was it was kind of worth the trip for me. So I would I would start watching a second season. I don't know that I would make it through a second season, but if they tightened up the writing a little bit, I think I would I would stick with it. Right. Well, I'll go ahead and finish off the first season and see how I feel about it. Um, like I said, it just it wasn't that it was bad. I didn't feel I didn't at any point be like, ah, oh, this is no, nah, I'm not going to watch this. But it, it yeah. didn't grab me. It didn't make me want to continue. It was one of those ones that I I watched one episode at a time because I never felt the need to watch another episode back to back. I I, I always found something. Yeah else to do and i remembered the show that i was talking about before which i highly recommend it's called the boys it's on it's an amazon original and it is absolutely fantastic it's got carl urban in it um i'm trying to think of who else oh uh, elizabeth shu is in it um it is a fantastic take on a world in which superheroes live and um what would happen if a corporation essentially controlled all of the superheroes they they had yeah. contracts with this with a corporation and they were essentially for hire as opposed to just picking it you know just hey, i happen to live in this city so i'm gonna protect this city no they're shopped out um and the the stuff that they get up to uh when nobody's looking and things like that and uh these guys are are not there's there's not really any good what guys. Would we do if superheroes are just as human as the rest of us essentially <laughs> exactly yes um yeah. <clears throat> it's it's a really fun show um it is very violent uh definitely some gore um not exceptionally gory but there are some moments that are that are pretty gory um so if you're opposed to to that kind of stuff you know then you're yeah. not gonna you're not gonna dig it um there is also a decent amount of nudity um mostly male i've noticed <laughs> Hmm. not as much on the female nudity which which kind of threw me off because that's the the standard you know if you're going to have some uh, gratuitous nakedness it's uh, usually a girl so um i'm thinking they were trying to flip some stuff around but um Hmm. it's not in a bad way i mean it 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 fits the story it works with the story it's not actually gratuitous It, it actually feels like it it blends with the story um 
but yeah, it was a little different to see some hanging peen uh, on a TV show. That's not something you see every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like I said, it, it fit in the story. Uh, I don't want to give anything away, so I won't say how it fit into the story, but it definitely did fit into the story. The The nakedness was a part of the plot. It, it wasn't just nakedness for nakedness sake. It was uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> but it was it was a great show. I, I binged through that in about two days, the, the entire uh, season one, and I guess they're in the middle of filming season two right now. So I'm looking forward to that um, because it it was it was really good. I I do highly recommend The Boys on Amazon. If you are a Prime member, um, you can stream that through the Amazon app. That's that's very much on my list. Um, I'm just wrapping up. I think I have one episode left in Amazon's Carnival Row. Mm-hmm. So that's my current obsession. And uh, of course, in between episodes, they're always showing commercials for the other shows on Amazon Prime and The Boys is like right there on my on my on my list of shows to watch next. Yeah, so. there they've played the the ad for Carnival Row which I haven't had a chance to start watching yet on The Boys. So I I'm like I know what you're talking about based on the ads that I've seen. <laughs> yes, but that's do it. that's all. Um do it. So, yeah, yeah, that that was a good show. I, I definitely highly recommend it, and I'm going to check out Carnival Row um, probably when I finish uh, Mindhunters uh, or Mindhunter. I'll I'll probably jump back over to Amazon for a while and, and watch that. I, I tend to stick with one show at a time unless for some reason I need a break from that genre or style or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I, I try to finish one show completely before I start something else, but it just it just depends on how how much it grabs me. Um, gotcha. So, so um, we've that's talking about new stuff. So let's kind of back it up here a little bit and go back to um, our love of pop culture from when we were growing up. So, um, what's something that you would have watched growing up that you would rewatch now that it's available to you on streaming? Oh, um, easy. Star Trek: Next Generation. I have okay. watched through the entirety of TNG. At least a dozen times, if not more. Um, I grew up with a, it was airing. My mom was a big Star Trek fan. I had never seen any of the original series, but uh, TNG was the new thing. It was out. It was something I could could watch with my mom. You know, sit down and watch TNG. Um, I even went to a, a Trek convention with her, a little small one uh, up in Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, this was before uh, the company that manages all the Star Trek cons now took over, and they became ridiculously expensive, huge events. This mm-hmm. was a much smaller event. Um, I got to meet Marina Serti and... Um, who else was there? Somebody else was there from the original series, and I can't remember because at the time I didn't care about the original series. I w- I now wish that I had taken the time to go get that autograph too, because you know now that I've gone back and watched the original series and of course all the movies and everything, it's like oh now I feel closer to these characters. Like if I'd have if I'd have known then what I know now, I would have uh, would have gone ahead and gotten that uh, that autograph too. But uh, I had a huge crush on Counselor Troy, so meeting Sorti was. Uh, phenomenal for uh what was i nine ten something like that <laughs> nine-year-old me was pretty damn happy about that um yeah it was it, that's something that i can always go back to um i'll watch through all of the star trek series minus the animated which i'm pretty sure doesn't exist that's the story i'm going with um okay. <laughs> unfortunately it does and it's what's canon. Uh, um, what's something but, niche that you would have watched as a kid that you would recommend now ooh. that might be available on streaming that's a tough one because I even if it's not available on streaming, just some, uh, something niche, something that you would you have a, a nice love for that probably didn't get a lot of airtime 
back oh, in the eighties or nineties that tell you, you would love to call out and put a put a spotlight on. I I wish this was available uh, on streaming or DVD or anything, literally anywhere. If somebody at Paramount or whoever the heck owns the rights now hears me and can make this happen, the show Viper. That show, oh, yeah. The first two seasons and only the first two seasons <laughs> were amazing and then it got canceled and then it got brought back like two years later for seasons three and four on the upn when paramount was trying to build its own network and they had the rights to it so it was one of the shows that they brought back when they created upn but they completely yeah, they changed Voyager it and all that yeah they only kept one actor from the original all of the other characters completely changed and uh, uh all of the other actors because they moved on to other projects, you know, they they were doing other things. They weren't necessarily available, or they didn't care to come back to a show that had already been canceled once. But they got one one actor, one character they brought back, but they dulled his character down so much. In the original hmm. seasons, he was this wacky scientist guy who was like all over the place, completely manic, and it that was that was his character. And then they brought him back, and he was just average, ordinary tech guy in the third and fourth seasons. It's like, what? Why though? Um, but I absolutely loved that show. Um, I had actually taped. I wish I knew where those tapes got to. I don't know if they got recorded over. I don't know what happened. But I actually had recorded the first season on VHS as they aired. And uh, I wish I had access to those tapes now. Because the only place wow. I found to watch it at all was on... I found some episodes on YouTube. Not even the full series. But just some episodes were on YouTube. And it was just the worst possible quality. Like I, I think... I feel like it was somebody watching tapes they had made of it. And then recording the TV. Like doing a cam recording of the TV. <laughs> I'm like, you don't have to do that when you own the tape. You could like run the tape player directly <laughs> to your computer. I'm sure you could figure that out. Like, why are you recording it on a phone? I mean, this isn't a movie theater where you have to smuggle in a camcorder and you know try to. <laughs> um, but that's what it seemed like, and I was like, I can't watch this this way. Like, it ruins the magic. It wasn't a. I mean, objectively speaking. It wasn't a good show, but it was amazing. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. essentially a a new take on Knight Rider. The, the The premise of the show was that the government, the police department, whatever, had developed this amazing new crime-fighting tool, which happened to be this car. Um, this car was a 1994 Dodge Viper RT10, and it was beautiful. It was cherry red, T-top, just, oh, my goodness. Yeah, didn't they... Didn't they alternate back and forth between two different modes? It on did. That show? It had the Defender mode, of which right. they only ever made two. One of which is in a Paramount storage unit somewhere, and one is missing. Nobody knows where the second Viper Defender is. Um, and yeah, when they when they switched modes, it like armored up. It turned into this silver, beautiful car. If you if you Google image search Dodge Viper Defender, you'll see what I'm talking about. It is. It's beautiful. It's this beautiful, ugly beast that is just absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. But it was armored. It had uh, EMP cannons. It had, you know, like grappling hooks. I mean, it had all the all the bells and whistles that you'd want from a high-tech car. And the premise of the show was that the car was too much for any driver in the police department to handle. They, they couldn't handle the car. They couldn't drive it. They couldn't work. Except for know. this guy. But then they found this guy was a criminal. He was a getaway driver by trade. And they caught him finally after many, many years of trying. And they finally caught him. And instead, he was given the option of instead of going to jail because he was such a good driver, he could drive the Viper for the police instead and become one of the good guys. 
I mean, come on. This, yeah, this show yeah, has everything that, that you could want out of a TV show. It was essentially a new version of Knight Rider. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. What I loved about it was that it was popular enough that it at least got the Dodge Viper into production. That, that car was never intended to be produced. Right. They produced that car because they got so much demand from people who watched the show and saw it and said, I want one of these. And it was a concept car. You know, Paramount had seen it at a car show and said, we're making a new show that's based around a car. That's the car we want. Worked out a deal with Dodge, got the Viper, made the, made the show. Then Dodge started getting just a ton of demands for the, for the car. And since, you know, and they're like, well, people want to buy it. Let's make it. <laughs> and they've been making it pretty much ever since. They did take a, a break, I think, for a couple of years in the late 2000s. I think there were a couple of years they didn't produce the Viper. I don't think it's in production now. I, I be, yeah, that's what I was about to say. And I believe they stopped um, They stopped producing it again last – wait, what is oh, – it's 2019 already? Holy crap. So I think the 2017 model may have been the last one. Or it might have even been the 16. Oh, jeez. Okay. Man, time flies. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I would I would definitely, if I could find a good, um, it doesn't even have to be high, de- high definition, um, but just a good, clean copy of yeah. the first two seasons of Viper, I would watch the heck out of that over and over again. That's nice, for sure. Nice. So I think my choices would be, um, so I'm probably going to get catch some, some judgment for this, but Robotech was my first real quote-unquote foray into Japanese animation when I was growing up. And there's some people who look at that and say, oh, it's not real anime. It's not, you know, fine, whatever. It's It was something I it, really enjoyed. Is it from Japan? Growing up. It was, is it, it animated? Was, yes. yes. It is anime. It, <laughs> Even though we took, you know, the Macross saga and, you know, overdubbed it and recut it to be something completely not the Macross saga. Um, that was my first exposure to um, anime growing up. And it's what led me to explore things like, you know, Akira and Fist of the North Star and Wings of Hanamis and, you know, any... Um, other form of quote-unquote art anime that came out of japan in subsequent years so it's i I love it and i just found it on amazon prime the other night and i just kind of started watching through the the episodes once again and uh so had to give a shout out to robotech now my niche program um so in the early 80s um disney gave us tron which hopefully everyone is familiar with and I think I may have heard of it. Wishing to capitalize on that, ABC said, hey, let's take the best of what makes Tron Tron and wrap a police procedural around it. And we ended up with a show called Auto Man. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with this show at all. <laughs> not at all. Not never, not remotely. But okay. Tell me more. So um, this has um, oh, Desi Arnaz Jr., <laughs> And of course, Desi Arnaz was sold. Uh, you, you've already sold me. You don't have to tell me anymore. <laughs> yeah. So Desi Arnaz Jr. is the computer guy that works for, I think it's the Los Angeles Police Department. And he's working on this supercomputer project. And he comes up with this Automan program. When he runs it, it basically knocks the power out in the police station. And the computer produces this crime fighting 
super cop program called Auto Man. And he has a, a, a the sidekick isn't Desi Arnaz Jr. The sidekick is Auto Man's little buddy called Cursor, who basically <laughs> draws him whatever he wants. And so he has the quote unquote auto car, which Cursor draws for him. And it's this, you know, kind of Ferrari ish um car with the tron neon lighting on the outside of it and oh, it turns yeah. at 90 degree angles whenever he has to make a turn and it, it it's so bad it's good and <laughs> i would highly urge you if you could find it anywhere i'm sure you'll see episodes on youtube i'm sure you can find full episodes on youtube but i don't know that you can go buy like a season i think it maybe even lasted for two seasons but <laughs> It's like imagine Tron with a police procedural and, you know, a, a, com- a walking, talking computer program trying to fit into society and be a quote unquote normal guy. But he, he even has like the Tron outfit. Like when he's in full blown auto man mode fighting crime, you know, fighting crime, he's dressed up like a like Tron guy. He's this really buff, muscular, blonde, you know, Hollywood archetype of the 1980s. And uh, so it's, it's 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 a fun show. And honorable mention to uh, Street Hawk, which was Knight Rider's equivalent to only with a mo- motorcycle. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> I, I did a search. I use a, uh, a program called um, – what is this called? No, I can't even – just watch. I use a program called Just Watch to uh, to check for where something might be on streaming services. It's usually pretty well updated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not always 100% correct. It doesn't always update right away when things leave or are added to different services. So sometimes you might find something it tells you that it's on Netflix, and you go search for it on Netflix, and all you get is that similar to screen that has like 800 movies that are not even sort of what you're looking for. Uh, um, but for the most part, it's it's pretty decent. And I just searched for Auto Man and got zero results. That's uh, awesome. That's searched, so niche. It's I, so niche that no one else is even aware. Of I, it. I, awesome. I searched with uh, with it as one word. I searched it with it as two words. I searched with it as a hyphenate. Nothing. <laughs> yes. It, it, when we when we post the show notes, if I can find any relevant YouTube links, I'll I'll try to provide those to you so we can get them in the show notes. But that would be awesome because I so, want to check this out. It's so bad. It's, it's so bad. It's awesome. Um, so. But yeah, it's like it's it's weird that some of these shows you you'd think with with all the streaming and everything that you know companies would be digging into their back catalogs to find just extra content just so they could say you know because one you what, what what's one of the things they always use to sell their streaming service we have x number of episodes or x number of hours of content and blah 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 right, right. dig up that old stuff who cares if nobody's ever going to watch it dig it up digitize it throw it on there add it to the total hours or content you have you've got bump your numbers up and then there'll yeah. be the one or two people out there who are like thank you oh i've been looking for I this mean, if, I, I haven't looked really hard for this stuff but if i could find a streaming service that had like you know the old gil gerard buck rogers and uh greatest american hero oh. and you know that kind of stuff uh i would i would just basically not leave my house for three weeks so <laughs> yeah i um when i when i was a kid i didn't get a chance to watch a lot of tv so i didn't get into too many shows that i was like consistently watching um just because you know you know we, we didn't have cable we lived in flagstaff arizona we literally had one broadcast channel we had one broadcast channel it was the um it was the local nbc affiliate i think so the mm-hmm. only shows i had access to for most of my growing up were just nbc shows and that's it 
wasn't until we moved down to Phoenix in my freshman year of high school that I had access to more because, again, we still did not have cable, but Phoenix is a major market. They had all of the broadcast networks. So all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I got ABC, I've got PBS, like, oh my, oh my gosh, I, that's a whole new world of, of things that I can watch here. Um, <laughs> it, it just occurred to me that we're, we're informing millennials and Generation Z of our walking uphills both ways in the snow moments like our grandparents <laughs> used to tell us about when we were growing up. But that's, that's how I got please. to school and back, isn't it, how you, uh, uphill both but ways with no up, shoes on broken channels, glass. One of which was PBS. Twice a year, PBS would whore for money for 30 minutes at a stretch while we're trying to watch Doctor Who episodes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah, you knew if you found something good on PBS that uh, it had to have been had to have been Pledge Drive. Because that's the only time they played yes. the good stuff. Like You're like, oh, man, I know they're going to be asking for money in the middle of this. And I'm going to feel bad because I'm not giving them any money. But at the same time, I'm like, eh, they keep telling me how many, how much money other people are giving them. So I guess they're doing okay. Uh, <laughs> I feel bad. Like now looking back, like I really wish that I'd had some extra money, even of my own or if my parents had extra money, because I did watch PBS a lot. Um, you know, and I think I, I threw think like it's 20 bucks at him in the late 90s for the Red Green show, which was well oh, worth it. My dad loves that show. And I have watched a few episodes with him, found it absolutely hilarious. Um, what, what, what does he say at the end of each show? If the ladies don't find find you handsome at least make ladies find don't you find you handsome they should at least find you handy <laughs> so, yes oh yeah um what, what apologies to red green for that impersonation yeah. <laughs> um oh man i should watch some of those oh they've got to be somewhere <laughs> they've got to be somewhere hopefully not on youtube because I, I hate watching like full tv shows on youtube because they're usually really horrible quality and i mean a lot of times it's because you know they're not getting i i, I want to support the actual owners of the copyright as much as possible whenever possible you yes. know i used to I'll, I'll admit that i used to be a huge pirate when it came to a lot of stuff because there was a ton of stuff that wasn't available i'm sorry you're breaking up eric you're breaking up i'm sorry <laughs> oh my, my internet connection is going down um the thing is i didn't I almost never pirated stuff that was like paid stuff. Like I, I didn't download movies, didn't really download music, um, the occasional ebook, which I mean, it's like, yeah, I can, I could have bought that probably, or I could have gone to the library and gotten it. So I'm like, I, couldn't bring myself to feel too bad about it. Although mm -hmm. now I, I much prefer if I can buy it, I will buy it. Um, yes. and, but mostly it was TV shows like regular broadcast TV shows because there weren't streaming services where you could just get things online and trying to, we would get so backed up. We had cable, we had uh, internet through our cable company, but yet the DVR boxes at that time were still so limited to what they could hold and how many, like you couldn't record one show and watch something else. Like you can, like now you can like record like three things while you're watching something else. I mean, it's, it's crazy. But then it was like, you had to be, either recording when you weren't there or you had to be watching what you were recording. Um, or I think we got had an upgrade. to have multiple VCRs or something like that. Yeah, or at one point we did have, um, I think they upgraded, like right before we ended up ditching cable and just going internet only, they had just upgraded it to where you could be recording something else while watching something. Like you could, it could be two. Yeah. Um, but if you were doing that, you couldn't use the picture-in-picture -picture feature anymore because evidently that used the same drivers or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. that uh, everything was ta everything was used up that's it that's all you had 
Um, so I would download stuff that we just missed or just didn't have space for on the DVR. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I cannot bring myself to feel really bad about downloading a show that would broadcast over the air for free. You know, I'm, I'm, I know that it's technically wrong, but at the same time, morally, ethic, ethically speaking, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to feel bad about it. But now right, that right. so much stuff is like, okay, well now I can get Hulu and now I can pay for these programs, get them either on a, I have the Hulu with live TV plan so that I can get right, right. Um, my, my Diamondbacks baseball on there and I can get, you know, shows that aren't necessarily normally streaming. It has a built-in quote unquote DVR function, which I think is silly considering it's not actually recording it so much as it's just giving you access to, to stream it right, later, right, 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 but right. It, it has a built-in DVR feature. So you can set up stuff to record if you're not going to be there or whatever. And that way you don't have to wait. You know, like some shows don't show up on Hulu until six days after their release or they don't show up until the day after their release. But maybe you're just an hour behind in watching it and you want to watch it right away. Well, the the DVR feature allows you to, to do that. Um, so I, I find it worth it. The, the live, it, it adds quite a bit of price to the Hulu plan. But I right, found right. it to be worth it for what we what we get out of it. Since we don't have any other live TV option, we don't have cable. Um, antenna TV out here is spotty at best. So even the broadcast, the digital stuff is there's not a ton. It doesn't come in very well. So it's it's a better overall solution. And I haven't had to download a TV show. I I haven't even opened um, that website that we won't mention by name on the air that everybody knows about with the ship as the logo. I haven't even opened the website in probably years <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a while since I've um, quote unquote consumed a torrent of content. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm much more selective in my, in my uh, attainment of entertainment these days. Yeah, um, I, I, I do spend a lot of, I don't spend a lot of money, but I, I, I have a pretty substantial, uh, quote unquote man movie shelf on my Google play account. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then I have a bevy of streaming services available to me. But, uh, even back in the day when I, um, did consume a torrent of content, um, it was, you know, over the air broadcast sci-fi. So yeah, yeah. it's I like you. I didn't have a lot of um, qualms about consuming a torrent of content. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, I, I looked at it as like, okay, is anybody actually losing money because of this? I, am I downloading something that I could yeah. have paid for and am choosing not to? And if the answer to that was no, then guess what? I didn't feel bad about it because I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to feel bad about it because I'm like, okay, well, it's either something that I can't purchase in, independently or it's something right, right. that if I couldn't download it, I wouldn't purchase. So they're not losing money either way. It's not like, okay, I would buy this thing, but let me see if I can get it for free first. No, it was, if I can get it for free, I'll watch it. If I can't, I won't. End of story. Right. So I know that doesn't, that's not good justification for, for pirating, but that was my justification for it. Um, but now that well, the, now that the industry has really got on board and figured out that, oh, hey, people like to download and stream stuff. Maybe we should make our content available in such a format and charge them for it. I now have, I think at last count, um, I did lose one. So I should be, I think I'm at 16 streaming services total current. That's, yeah, that's a little more aggressive than me. <laughs> 
that's like, well, like I said, we are internet only. We have we have no cable, and we don't do any. Uh, we don't have any broadcast. We don't have any TVs that are capable of receiving broadcasts. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, so everything is streaming. Um, so and that's counting also music and uh, audiobooks and uh, oh, okay. you know, stuff like, like I'm, I'm counting my Spotify and I um, actually it might be only I, I might have to take one off because I don't have Pandora I don't pay for Pandora anymore once I figured out how to use my Spotify better for, for a while I liked Pandora better as far as just generating a station mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Spotify has more features now that allow you to do that and you have the ability to play specific songs, which is something you can't necessarily do on Pandora. Sometimes you get lucky right. and you search for that song and the station that it creates has that song on it. Other times, not so much. Um, yeah. So I've stopped using Pandora and I have the Spotify family plan where, you know, everybody in our household has, has their account on it. It's a mm-hmm. good deal. It, it works well for me as far as being able to, to find music that I like. I've, I've had a lot of help from, uh, from Matthew and Steve-O from Socially Awkward Studios. They use Spotify all the time. And at the end of the year, it generates your most played playlist and and your stats and all Mm. that. And we always share ours with each other. So what I'll do is I will literally go through their playlists of the top 100 songs that they listen to over the course of the year. And any of them that I like, I'll add those to my playlist. And then I'll also check out other stuff by that artist and see if there's more stuff that I like that I might not have heard. I also like to go through Every week, it generates two different playlists for you. It generates the on Mondays. It generates your um, what do they call it? The um, uh, Discover Weekly. The Discover Weekly playlist oh, yeah, is yeah, great yeah. because it, it judges based on what you've listened to, what you might like, and generates a playlist for you. I will go through that and usually end up adding five or six songs to my playlists that I had didn't have before. And then on Fridays, it gives you the release radar where it it gives you a playlist of new stuff that is either associated with the style or the artists that you've been listening to. So it's really a good way to expand your musical uh, mm-hmm. wardrobe, so to speak. I, I don't know <laughs> how to put it. Um, because I used to like strictly be like, uh, you know, just give me some eighties rock and I'm good. And that's it. And that's all I'm going to listen to uh, nice. because I, I, you know, I'd listen to the new stuff. The, the quote unquote popular stuff wasn't really my thing. I'm, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this. So, you know, with the rare exception, most pop music, if it's being played on a top 40 station, I'm probably not going to like it, but I like a lot more independent stuff and I like a variety of different styles. So Spotify has definitely helped me with that. So I would recommend uh, Spotify to people who, if you're into music and you're not already using it, it, it's good. It's a good streaming service for music. I'm going to hit you with the cliche question here. What's your Desert Island album or albums? So, you know, you're stuck on the Desert Island the rest of your life. What are you going to listen to? Oh, man, that that's a tough one because my taste is so eclectic. I don't know if there's one album that I could look uh, at. That uh, I'm I'll like, be generous. Like, Let's say top three to five. Oh, oh man, man. First thing that comes to mind. Let's go. Uh, so that's the thing, too, is my, my taste changed so dramatically. But... Um, I would definitely have some 80s in there. I mean, I'll go. I'll, I'll be the total cliche here, but there'd definitely be a Journey album on there. Probably okay. Greatest Hits or something to that effect. All right. um, probably an Eagles Greatest Hits as well. Oh, good call. And then I might go with something a little newer if I if I only had three. I had those two, and I also wanted something newer that I like. Um, I might go with one of the – I don't know which album specifically, but I'd go with uh, a Walk the Moon album. I kind of dig their style. Uh, okay. So, so for something newer um, and somewhat okay. – 
pop. I, they've, they've had a couple of tracks that have made it onto the, the top 40 or whatnot. So, okay. But I, I kind of dig their their style. Some of their stuff that isn't necessarily top forty material is actually better than the song everybody knows them for is uh, "Shut Up and Dance." That's the song that like everybody knows and nobody knows who sings it. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, okay. that's "Walk the Moon." They're like, what? Who? What? I'm like, yeah, because they don't <laughs> have any, they don't really have any other big hits. Um, but I dig them. So nice. What nice. about you? Nice. you? You got a top three Desert Island albums? Uh... Okay, so I would probably have something Led Zeppelin-ish in there because I'm a—I'm not going to say a huge Led Zeppelin fan, but um, in the, as far as classic rock goes, that's always going to be one of my go-tos is something from Led Zeppelin. Um, I'd have to agree with you on the Eagles because their greatest hits is just something you could just put on and let play on repeat forever, yeah. and I don't think you would wear it out. Um, I, I do actually uh, have their greatest hits on CD somewhere, and uh, even my, my daughter came across it when she was just digging through stuff and listened to it and loves it too. Like she just didn't even know who they were, what they were. She just found the CD and started playing it, and she would listen to it when she was cleaning a room or something. So you know, once every year or so, um, she would be okay. listening to it. <laughs> but it, it, nice, it was, was kind of nice. nice to. I, mean, I was like, wait a minute, am I hearing? Am I hearing that? Yeah. Oh my gosh kids listening to something other than eminem what (laughs) (laughs) and uh for my final album where you went newer i'm going to go older and i'm going to go much older um i am very much a fan of big band standards and swing so and which kind of ties into the everything that doesn't matter theme of this podcast what are you passionate about and one thing that i always go back to is um you know louis armstrong slash ella fitzgerald you know that kind of stuff so I'm sure there's a greatest hits album out there somewhere that I would take with me on a deserted island and it would be timeless and it would just last me forever. So Yeah, I think if I found myself stuck and I had those three albums, I would have been kicking myself for not bringing some Sinatra with me too. So, yeah. Um, well, I did say three to five. So you Okay, yeah, so I'll, I'll add some I'll add some, some classic Sinatra. Um, yeah. And then if I got that fifth album, I'm bringing old Yellow Eyes back. Oh, my God. Brent Spiner, <laughs> listen to you. Man can sing, man. Oh, his rendition of Zing I do, I know that album my heart. Exists, but oh. I never listened to that album. Oh, it is it is actually really good. Um, I mean, it's he, he sings standards, so it's all it's songs you've heard. Um, but he he's fantastic. And there's one track on there where he actually uh, uses like most of the bridge crew. The actors uh, do backup vocals, and uh, Patrick Stewart does a, a spoken word piece in the middle of one of the songs. It is amazing. If you can find oh, Old Yellow Eyes is back. That sounds cringe. It that is sounds so cringe. But it's so good. Oh man, it's good though. <laughs> Um, like I said, his his rendition of Zing Went the Strings of My Heart is actually my favorite cover of that song ever. And I'm actually really mad. Like I've searched on uh, Spotify for his stuff and have been unable to. He, he hasn't released that or his record company or whatever hasn't released it to Spotify for whatever reason. So I'm like, oh, that's, but I that's do have nice. the album. I do have the actual CD around here somewhere, probably in one of these many boxes surrounding my studio. But um, yeah, somewhere I'm going to have to find that, that uh, album, uh, find, find that CD and rip it to me to my phone so I can listen to it because now that I'm thinking about it I'm like man I really want to listen to that yeah that's that's pretty awesome so yeah I'll I'll have to dig that up and you know laugh my way through it but um, (laughs) anyway Uh, Brent Spiner is a national treasure and don't you say a bad word about him (laughs) I am not saying anything against Brent Spiner I, I followed that guy on Twitter for years and he is one of the most awesomely cutting sarcastic tweeters that I've ever followed 
Oh, yes, and, absolutely. Oh, just some absolutely stellar observations on whatever happened to be going on in society or politics or, you know, pop culture at any given moment. Just his his take on it would never failed to amuse. Yeah, so. I, I'm so glad like I was worried at first, um, you know, obviously there for those who don't know, there's going to be a Captain Picard series being released on uh, CBS All Access. The trailers thus far have not given away too much of the plot line. All we know is that uh, Picard had retired from Starfleet and now he's he's working the vineyard, you know, was it Chateau Picard or something? Yeah, um, his family's vineyard. Yeah, so he's he's working the vines there, and uh, he's brought back into the the thick of things for some reason. And we know that there's several Star Trek actors coming back for either cameos or major supporting roles. We don't know yet. Uh, Jerry Ryan's back as Seven of Nine in it, um, and we know that Brent Spiner is back in some capacity as Data slash B four. Um, I don't I don't know exactly. And that was that was the one that worried me. I'm like all the rest of them. They're doing this set exactly the amount of years after TNG as the actors have been alive since TNG. So it's it's perfect. They're all the exact right ages, except Data doesn't age. <laughs> so it's like, wait a minute. And Brent Spiner, you know, I, I love him, but he's not aged particularly gracefully. Definitely not not as much as Patrick Stewart. I hate to say it, but um, Patrick Stewart looks virtually the same as he did then. Like You can barely tell in side-by-side pictures that you're looking at 20 years difference, but right. uh, with Spiner, you can definitely tell. And so they're using some of that uh, movie magic that we saw in the, uh, the MCU first, mm-hmm. I think, um, to de-age him for the show, for at least the, the trailer that we saw. And he, he looked a little off because of it. Looked but I'm willing puffy, to accept it. Still it. look like data. Yeah, it was like eh, okay, I'm not sure. But I'm like, but I don't know how big a part he's going to be playing in this. So I, you know, if it's only a couple of quick scenes, um, shouldn't be a. I, I think it'll be okay. Um, but I'm glad they're getting him back. I hope they get some of the other actors back. Uh, we haven't had any confirmation, I think, on anybody other than we've had we've had official confirmation via the trailer that Jerry Ryan is in it, obviously, um, and Brent Spiner. Uh, I believe we've heard rumors of some other people at least having cameos. Uh, it uh, sounds like Riker's going to be in for we around know he's going to be episodes, directing maybe four at least a well, I know, couple I know of he's episodes. Be directing, yeah. But Jonathan Frakes is a fantastic director. He directed been, several episodes of Discovery, and they were amazing. Yeah, but supposedly he's actually in character as Riker for maybe two episodes near the oh. the end of the season. Awesome. I so wonder if we'll see the Titan. I'm looking forward to I, well, seeing it, him back. It might be the Titan 2 or something because by now. But yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to that show. I'm very much looking forward to the slate of Star Trek that we're getting in. And I, I bring up Star Trek so much because I was just reminded earlier today that today, the day that we're actually recording this episode, I don't know when it's going to be released yet because we still have some things to work on before I can release this, but we're actually recording this on the 8th of September. September, which is Star Trek Day. I know uh, some people celebrate other days as Star Trek Day. A lot of people celebrate uh, First Contact Day in April, which you know the date that Zephyrin Cochran made first contact with the with the Vulcans and and all that. That's all right and everything, but this is the day that I really consider to be Star Trek Day because this was the date in what was it '66? I want to say that the original series first aired i don't know and i don't care that i don't know <laughs> i, I want to say it was 66 <laughs> but, yeah. but i could be wrong on that but it was it was september the 8th um 
and and so people celebrate who are Star Trek fans, such as myself. Um, it's it's Star Trek Day today, so I thought it was kind of cool that we were recording on Star Trek Day. What are you gonna do? <laughs> I, you know, as someone who dedicated much of their their teen years to the original series and um, gave just as much love to the Next Generation, I I think it's great that we're that we're starting on uh, Star Trek Day. Just so. Um, how do you feel about Star Wars? Are you more Star Trek or are you anti-Star Wars or do you are you like me? I consider myself sci-fi bi because I yeah. love both Star Trek and Star Wars. I know some people who are strictly one or the other and can't enjoy the other one. It, yeah. it, it's like Android and Apple users. It's ridiculous how stuck on just one or the other they are. I'm like, they're both great for different reasons and I love it. But how do you so feel? So if it? if we were to talk, you know, pure money and time involved, um, I gave a lot more of my money and time to Star Trek. Um, that being said, I have like some of my best memories growing up are going to see Star Wars movies with my dad at you know, <laughs> I'm showing my age here at drive-through movies or drive-in <laughs> movie theaters in, uh, in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> and so it's like one's hamburger and the other is steak. So everyone enjoys a good hamburger, a la Star Trek, but sometimes you want a good steak, which is Star Wars for me, at least when you go back to episodes four, five, and six, um, <laughs> which were, <laughs> and I'm sure there's, there's people who are already, you know, Kermit drafting, you know, Kermit the Frog drafting angry emails or angry social media <laughs> posts to me because of the way I've, I've laid that out. And it's like, you know, fine, if you want to waste your time for me to ignore that, that's fine. But <laughs> um, so I, I love both and there's nothing wrong with loving both. And there's nothing wrong with me having an opinion that says, you know what? I thought episodes one, two and three were good, but they could have been a hell of a lot better. And there's nothing wrong with my thoughts on how well and how progressively done that the last two episodes of Star Wars have been. Um, there's nothing wrong with the opinion that I thought Voyager was overdone and probably <laughs> didn't need to come out or probably, <laughs> Voyager, probably, could have ended a, probably could have ended a season or two before it did. Voyager uh, had some behind the scenes problems that made it not as good as it could have been. Yeah. Specifically the fact that they were told the, the writers were kind of given a directive to go back to the episodic format of TNG instead of yeah. continuing with the more serialized format that Deep Space Nine got into. And I believe if they had been allowed to explore longer storylines, like season-long or even multiple season-long storylines, that Voyager would have been a much, much better show. It had a great cast. It had a great crew of characters. We had a good, good solid base of people. Not, not, I'm not looking at you, Neelix, when I say this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it had a good, solid group of, of characters that could have been very interesting but because of the episodic nature of the program, I felt we never got any real development from them like we did on Deep Space. That's what made Deep Space Nine so good yeah. is that we saw the progression of these characters throughout the seasons. Um, even with, with TNG, you did see that even though it was more episodic, you still mm -hmm. saw the progression of the characters if you watched straight through. But the way they the way they did it in a way that you could jump in and watch any single episode and not really right. be mis missing anything, they wanted Voyager to be like that. And I think and that was to the detriment of the show. The late 80s, early 90s, um, it was a transitional time for storytelling, especially in science fiction, because you still had, you know, the, the suits who wanted this, you know, this product that 
allowed viewers to not need to be invested in their show. They could jump in at any point. What they wanted was to hit that hundred episode mark. There was no crippling dependency upon backstory or plot. And the desire on the part of writers to try and build in some some serialized storytelling and so you kind of had that struggle and I'm sure there's people who are much more in tune with the internal struggles on, on given shows as to, you know, why certain shows spun out the way that they did that I'm just not in tune with, (laughs) but coming into this with a purely armchair quarterback perspective, it's like, it was, it was a transitional time for storytelling. And of course that led to the franchise fatigue in, in the Star Trek universe, which gave us, Enterprise, which was an attempt to try and reboot things, and was really good in its own way and really kind of hit its stride with some serialized storytelling. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's when it got then good. And then they kind of got, got their hands smacked and they said, well, we'll give you three to four episode arcs that you can do your serialized storytelling in, but we need to get back to this disposable episodic format that everyone's comfortable with. Yeah. And of course, Enterprise went away and was given a shit finale. Oh, Voyager I went away and as could have probably been handled a lot more better. I count the two-part Terra Nova as the final episode of Enterprise, if anybody asks me. Yeah. <laughs> that other episode. Yeah. I love love me some Marina Serti and uh, Jonathan Frakes, don't get me wrong, but that was a... Awful know, way I, I, to end I, I, a series. Such a confusing finale because I was like, wait, are they referring back to that really shitty episode from like season six where Pegasus Riker was trying to decide shitty how episode? he was going to respond? Are you, don't you say a bad <laughs> word about Pegasus. That was a great episode. Uh, was that a was a spectacular episode. Picard episode because it showed – it was a great Riker episode too. The the captain yeah. of the, the other captain who was an admiral at the time was yeah. horrible. I hated him. But it was a great. I loved seeing the. I like the episode less having seen the finale of Enterprise because now I'm like I don't want to envision that happening in the middle of this episode. Yeah. But so, I really enjoyed that episode because that was the episode where you know Riker finally like he, I don't know I, I I thought that was a really good episode. I liked yeah. Pegasus because of the way that Riker interacted with Picard and what Picard did, like to just like literally just decloak in front of a Romulan warbird and be like, yeah, yeah, we did this. I'm sorry, but we'll send a report our, to your, your our people. Our diplomats will be in contact with your diplomats. Yeah, yeah. My, my so, people will yeah. call your people, and we'll figure this out. Um, yeah. I just thought that was that was a very defining Picard episode, I thought, the way that he handled not only his first officer withholding information from him, but then ultimately right. dealing with the fact that Starfleet had sanctioned something that was against its own rules, and he, he wasn't going to stand for it. That's I. For those reasons, I thought that was a good episode. But anyways, we're, we're, this isn't the Starfleet Escape podcast. If you want to hear more in-depth yeah. talk about Star Trek in general, I highly encourage you to listen to the Starfleet Escape podcast, which can be found right here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network and on which I occasionally guest host. So you'll hear more of me. So if you don't like me, don't <laughs> listen to the episodes that have my name on <laughs> them. Then tweet at me and I'll sit in on the Starfleet Escape podcast when Eric can't. So. Um, <laughs> But, but I said I said all that to to say this, you know, the with it being a transitional time like that, it's like not even five years later, maybe less than certainly less than ten years later, we started seeing some major serialized storytelling in the form of Battlestar Galactica, which was just straight fire when it was on TV, at least for the first couple of seasons. When the writer strike hit, not so much. Um, shows like Lost, you know, things like that. Um, 
it proved that there was a hunger and a desire for more intelligent storytelling that demanded more of the viewer mm -hmm. and really pushed the limits of what writers could deliver. And what if only, you know, if only Star Trek could have been given that degree of freedom or that degree of latitude, what might we, what might, what stories might we be talking about today yeah. as opposed to having to wait, you know, nearly 15 years for discovery to come around and I'm not knocking discovery at all. I think it's a great show, but the serialized storytelling that we we're getting in via discovery now, especially in season two with the captain Pike arc. Oh my oh. God. That was freaking amazing that was and what we're so wonderfully done now. oh uh and shout out to anson mount for his portrayal of captain pike in season two of discovery it was a great blend of the original captain pike that we saw in the not aired but now available for watching on streaming services pilot episode of star trek that um we never got it wasn't aired because they they wanted to tweak it they they thought that pike was too mm -hmm. dark um they didn't you know people didn't like certain aspects they decided to make uh vulcans these non-emotional beings so like the first that first pilot yeah. episode the cage um you see spock smiling uh there's a couple of chuckles yeah. from him like things that we don't see uh later on which i i thought it was fantastic how how they used that in discovery when they when they brought back vena and like i was oh my gosh it was so amazing i just rewatched yeah, it's like both it's seasons. like you don't rewrite sacred texts once 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 a sacred text has been established you don't go back and you don't play around in it and discovery was like you know what we're going to do that yeah we're going to go back to the menagerie we're going to go back to that planet and we're going to play in that pool again and i was like that took some serious cojones that that, that took some balls yeah. to to go back and say we are we are going back there and playing with these characters again and revisiting them and i th i thought it in with a less competent writing crew it would have been a disaster it would have oh, been easily yeah. pure fan service it would have served no narrative purpose whatsoever other than going back and playing with cgi in that environment in that sandbox again yeah. but the way that it was done and the way that it set up um, Pike's future, which for those of us who know Captain Pike, we know what his future is, and, or at least according to the original series canon, we know what his future mm -hmm. is, and how they kind of set up that that whole trope of you know the prophecy of Captain Pike and where he's going to yeah. end up. I, I thought that was really courageous. Yeah, I, I really thought that was a, a bold move, like you said, but it paid off in, in multiple dividends because it was just a really well-done way to show that this is the same pike that we mm -hmm. saw in the cage and in the menagerie, but it's also updated for the times. I mean, yes. it's one thing. I, I think Discovery did a good job. I know it's gotten a lot of crap from some fans who think that everything's too high tech. Why is, why is their technology so much better than it was in the original series if this happened 10 years before? Well, it's because movie making is better now, A. And B, it's because we have, like, why would all of these buttons and knobs and stuff be on a starship now when we literally have touchscreens in our pockets? Like, yeah. our vision of the future has to change as we progress and get certain technologies and other technologies don't pan out. You know, you can't expect uh, you, there's there's episodes of the original series where they have paper printouts on the bridge, paper, dot mm -hmm. matrix printouts. 
Is that something that you think would be on a starship even right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> so if you're looking, the, you're looking to the future, it's like you have to either build in some like cataclysmic event that set technology back or you have to go forward with the times. And there were only a couple of moments in discovery where I felt that they were playing to those fans by, there was a couple of throwaway lines about the holographic communication system in season two. That oh, yeah. I was like, that was unnecessary. Like, honestly, like the majority of us don't care that they have these holograms that they didn't have in any of the shows up until Deep Space Nine first started playing around with the idea. It, it's like, n- nobody cares. No, nobody cares. Like nobody important cares. A few people care, but most people don't. Um, I think they did a really good do- j- a really good job with the set design as far as bringing in a few manual buttons for some things to kind of transition yeah, to kind yeah. of to kind of meld that. So I think they did what they could uh, to make some of the 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 canon fiends happy, but ultimately, would you pay a subscription fee for a show that looks like it was made in the '60s? That wasn't actually made in the 60s, like a brand new show with a multi-million dollar budget, but it looks like it was made in the 60s because that's what the other show looked like. Oh, yeah. Nobody wants that. We want the top of the line movie making technology we've got available to us. Use it. I didn't hear a lot of people belly aching about, you know, the J.J. Abrams Enterprise, you know, which supposedly took place even before the original series as they were still cadets. But well, I, I don't recall that level of there. There was you know, some belly aching, but it was mostly quashed by the fact that it was a different timeline. So they were allowed yeah, to do okay. whatever they want. And that's why he chose to do that. He didn't want to mess around with canon. He didn't want to have to worry about, okay, anything I do to these characters has to be something that can be explained later on. Like Instead, he's like, I I don't recall. I remember reading just an interview somewhere around. or something, and that's when they came to him and said, would you like to do Star Trek? I think he told them something to the effect of, if I do it, I need a clean slate. I need to be able to write freely without having to worry about canon. And so that's how we ended up with this time disturbance that caused a separate timeline. And I, and I was okay with that, especially since that movie was so good. The The first one in 2009 was a fantastic movie. Whether you, yeah, were, whether not, you were a Star Trek fan or not, I, I really enjoyed that. Where I think they made a mistake was like they established the new timeline they're like this is new this is different this is separate we're not associated with that old stuff at all anymore it's we've split off so what are we going to do we're going to remake wrath of khan as the second movie (laughs) (laughs) but why (laughs) you just established that you have your own new uh playground to to play in why are you bringing your old toys over (laughs) you know speaking of what happens when you go back and try and revisit something and you don't have a competent writing staff exactly like i i i I'm not going to lie. I actually did enjoy the second Star Trek movie for what it was. But at the same time, I can see how it was incredibly derivative of Wrath of Khan and how it it seemed to lack imagination. I thought Beyond was great. I I really did enjoy Beyond. But I I really think it, it was one of those trilogies where they peaked on the first one. Second one was you know way down, and then they came back a little bit with the third, but they never quite got back to where the first one was. Yeah, I I really liked um, I liked the first one the best, the third one next best, and I was not pleased with Into Darkness at all. Yeah, so Into Darkness was one of those ones that, like I said, I watched it and I enjoyed it, but it's not something that I feel I need to go back to and watch again. It's not something that I need to, um, you know, even when I'm watching the movies, I I'm usually 
a very much a completist when I watch movie series. Um, if I'm doing a Star Trek rewatch, for example, I watch the entire series. Even the bad I can episodes. respect that, yeah. I can respect Even that. the episodes that I know are terrible. Okay, when I rewatch TNG, yeah. I don't skip Code of Honor. That is how much of a completist I am. Okay? For yeah. those of you who know TNG, you know what that means to not skip Code of Honor. <laughs> One of the worst written, most racist episodes of Star Trek ever uh. written. And to think that that came out supposedly in a time when we were beyond some of that <laughs> like yes there's some there's some TOS episodes that have some elements that we look back on now as being like oh man that was kind of racist or sexist but at the time it was even progressive but no this was straight up racist even for the time and it's extra racist now <laughs> yeah yeah um it's a terrible episode it's just a terrible terrible episode <laughs> but yeah, i had to i'm ashamed i'm kind of ashamed i had to admit i had to look that up but now that i see the oh, screenshots i'm like oh yeah, yeah that one yeah yeah it, it's one of those ones that i know a lot of people who will rewatch. Uh, there's a lot of episodes that you could easily skip in the first season there's a few gems in there a few yeah like you because i mean if you just watch the first season of the whole you look at it and go how did this get a second season let alone seven right right but there's also a few episodes you're like yep that's how because of because they saw the potential in episodes like this that allowed them to to be given the freedom to continue and from season two onward it was fantastic there are some episodes in season two that are just brilliant uh measure of man still one of my absolute favorite episodes of television ever not just star trek of any show ever just an absolutely beautiful episode so well done loved it um so you can see if you go back to season one there were some there were some duds but there were also some flashes some glimpses of what was the potential that was there and i think that's how they were able to to get that second season and then once they got into the second season and it it took off like it it, suddenly it was good (laughs) it grew a beard as they say um or as they say now um that being a term that a lot of people use for when a show starts off slow or completely sucky and then gets good as opposed to the opposite which is to jump the shark when a show starts off good (laughs) and then goes so long that they have no ideas left and they go off the rails have to jump a shark (laughs) (laughs) so yeah a lot of people a lot of people know that terminology um but don't know the basis of it and yeah it's it's from star trek next generation season two came along Riker grew a beard and uh suddenly it was so much better still the whole leg over the chair every time he sat down thing you know, he just, you know. he sits like a psychopath i don't know how i don't yeah, i don't yeah. and it's so funny that i never really noticed that watching the show until somebody put up like a compilation on youtube of it i'm like oh my god like i'm he i've got an inch on him he's a tall man yes but i think he's six five i'm six six and i have never once Instead of intentionally to impersonate Riker, sat in a chair like that. But I guess it, a lot of it had to do with like he had uh, back or knee problems, and so it okay. was it was that's just how he sits in chairs because it's easier on his back or knee than going in front of the chair and squatting down into it. I'm like, okay, I oh, all right. I just think it's a f- <laughs> the, the Riker maneuver. Yeah, so. that's what they call it. It's great. Um, but yeah, so, um, so I, I know we've I know we've hit pretty heavily on Star Trek and Star Wars this episode. Um, so let's kind of wander back into the the not often traveled you know niche waters. Um, what's a series 
that has, let's say, at least two to three seasons of something that you could just pick up and watch and largely watch straight through or, or rewatch um, that doesn't have to be sci-fi. It can just be something that's on a streaming service that you regularly watch or rewatch. Go. Uh, the Office and Parks and Rec. Uh, I will yeah. I will binge those entire in their entirety uh, just about any time. Uh, okay. Hilarious shows. What's funny is that uh, with Parks and Rec, I tried to watch it I think mm-hmm. four times before I actually watched the whole thing. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, that's hilarious. I like, I don't understand what was wrong with me. The first few times I tried to watch it, but I, I, for some reason, I don't know if it's something about those first few episodes. I just couldn't get past. Like, I, I don't think I ever got past episode four in it, in any of the times I tried to watch it. And then I was like, I was at work. You know, I, we were allowed to, to have stuff playing in the background. And so I was like, yeah, I'll give it another chance. And I got past that fourth episode and I have loved it ever since. The show is absolutely hilarious and I can, I, I rewatch it at least once a year, basically. Uh, same with The Office. Um, even though it took a steep decline when uh, Carell left, it's still a great show from start to finish. Hilarious. I, I will often quote and or uh, use gifts from The Office in my everyday conversations online um, or my everyday conversations in person for, for quotes and such. But uh, definitely a lot of Office gifts in my day-to-day Facebook chats. Nice. Um, all right. So for my part, I it's not aging as well as I would like it to, but How I Met Your Mother, which we've discussed this before, is, is something I would watch or rewatch. Um, on Hulu, there's a show about uh, Canadian hicks, skids, and hockey players called Letterkenny, which is just absolutely freaking hilarious. <laughs> and I could, I could just... That's one of the few shows where I could hit the series finale and then just loop right back around to episode one and just leave it leave it play all day. And every single episode has something quotable and something hilarious. And it's I'm gonna we're gonna blow our PG thirteen here. It's funny as fuck. I'm telling you, <laughs> it is so fucking funny. I mean, I've only seen I haven't watched the actual show itself. I saw the original um, skits they did on the YouTubes and uh, I, I was I was laughing so hard. And then when they put out the show, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch this. And then I uh, just haven't gotten around to it for some reason. But yeah, that's on my list of something, something to watch as well. Bitter patter, boy. You got to got to get in there and get that letter, Kenny. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is so funny. I mean, I, I there isn't a day goes by where. I don't make some kind of Letterkenny reference somewhere. Um, let's see. Is there anything else? Always at some point, there's some form of Doctor Who on my TV. I know you're not crazy about Doctor Who. Oh, no, I, I enjoy it. Um, I'm, I'm oh. not about the classic stuff. I, I've tried oh, to watch yeah, some of the older I, episodes, and I, I really couldn't get into it. I don't know if it was a, what it was about it, but I, I really, I've, I've tried several, like I, I jumped in like right at the very beginning and tried it. I was like, no. And then I'm like, well, maybe if I go into, you know, like I know the fourth is really, really popular. So I'll, I'll start there and see if I can jump into it. No, still couldn't uh, do Tom it. Tom Baker, dude. But from, uh, Ecclestein on, um, yeah, You're I'm in. on board. Okay. Um, the only okay. thing is I have not seen any of the most recent season 
with uh, with the girl. Jodie Whittaker. Yeah, yeah, she does pretty good. I haven't seen any of those yet because they haven't hit, as, as far as I know, I don't think they've hit streaming services other than yeah, uh, BritBox or whatever, have. which is one of the few that I don't have. <laughs> yeah. So once they hit, once it hits Netflix or Hulu or something, I will, um, I think I think they're on Amazon is where I usually watch my Doctor Who. But that's right. another one that I will go back and rewatch from the beginning, um, at least what's available on streaming. I will say that... Uh, I really liked Ecclestein, but I'm kind of glad that he chose not to continue after one season because yeah, I do think we that might he not was, have gotten David Tennant. If he yeah, had. we might not have gotten Tennant, and also I, I felt he was a little dark for what the character eventually developed into. I really liked Tennant's uh, portrayal of the Doctor. I, I loved Tennant's yeah. Doctor, and um, you know, honestly, Smith's portrayal was was great as well. Um, but also, anytime that I have an opportunity to look at Karen Gillan in any form for whatever reason I will take. So, uh, I can, I can appreciate that perspective. (laughs) I uh, think she is easily one of the most beautiful women, uh, that I've seen in acting, uh, like just in general, like I know people disagree with this. They, they think, Oh, she's all right, but not for some reason. There's something about her that just clicks my button, flips my switch. I don't know, but it, I understand she does it for me. Uh, I was very saddened when she left the show. Yeah. They, Brought in that other girl who was uh, nice too, but she was no she was no Karen Gillan, that's for sure. Uh, Clara was fun. I liked I liked how they handled Clara. Even even but, bald uh, and purple, she's hot. So <laughs> so um, all right. So yeah, I don't have any other thoughts on on streaming there. So we'll get into deeper. We'll do an episode about streaming services and uh, you know what they are, how they've changed the industry. That's something that I really want to talk about uh, in more detail because I do feel that they've changed the industry in major ways. But that's a whole episode in and of itself, I think, and discuss mm-hmm. some of the ind- individual shows that have, especially the, the originals and such. Uh, so that's something that I want to talk about in the future as a full episode. But uh, yeah, so if you've gotten this far in the show, if you've made it through all of our rambling, um, definitely reach out to us. Hit us up on the Twitters or the Instagrams or the Facebooks and let us know uh, what you would like. Give us some suggestions if there's something that we didn't mention that you think that we might enjoy. Who knows? We might make it a feature on a future episode. Uh, yeah, we've, you know, we've talked about but... some off the beaten path stuff. So if there's anything that we've said that's made you have your own, oh, yeah, you guys need to get into dot, dot, dot. If there's anything off the beaten path that you know, you're aware of that we didn't mention today that we should devote some airtime to, then feel free to throw that at us and we'll take a look at it and see what kind of content comes out of that. Yeah, exactly. We want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you want to hear us talk about. Um, like I said, I know we have plans to do episodes about, about streaming services and we, we have plans to talk about uh, the MCU in its entirety. Uh, lots of stuff that we have planned already, but we, we'd always appreciate some help fleshing out those show notes so don't don't hesitate to reach out to us on the social media and uh, let us know what you'd like to hear about we definitely want to encourage interaction with you guys i i love to interact with people who listen to the show um if you interact with us we'll we'll interact back so um unless you're being a shit lord at which point you'll well, just get I mean, filed right into the waste bin so. <laughs> yeah i i do know how to use the block button so um <laughs> I will say, if you're being a, a douche nozzle for no reason, it's one thing to to, 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 to 
it's one thing to disagree. It's another to be a complete idiot about it. And we know the difference and we will take action if necessary. But um, I'll, I'll listen to alternative opinions. Absolutely. But don't be a jerk. And we won't be a jerk to you unless you like Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> or the Kardashians. Oh, man. You don't know what you're doing. You do know what you're doing to yourself. Stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I swear, if any of you say a bad word about Dancing with the Stars, I will come to your house and kick you right in the shin. Because <laughs> I will cut him. <laughs> <laughs> because as much as I want to hate on reality TV, I do love that show. That is a, a guilty pleasure of mine. Although I will admit that this year, not really liking the lineup, especially one particular person they chose to have on the show. I'm not about that. I'm hoping he gets voted off very quickly because I, yeah. I just like to watch the dancing. Honestly, I don't even care about the, the voting or the scores or like I tune out when there's not dancing on the screen, but I, I love the dancing. I enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. And I think it's, I like that it's a kind of tongue in cheek reality show. There's not a big cash prize. Yeah. There's not yeah. a recording contract worth millions of dollars at the end of it. There's a stupid disco ball attached to a trophy base that you win at the end of that's it that's that's what the winner gets it's yeah. nothing it, it's and uh i will say that the the primary host tom bergeron is hilarious uh he is fantastic he is so great at uh just improvising on the spot when he needs to and, and going with the flow there's been so few times like it, it's been going for 20 something seasons and he's put his foot in his mouth like twice Maybe. Uh, I don't live know who you are TV. right now, Eric. I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love me some tumbers, Ron, and and the the dancing, the girls in those outfits. Oh my goodness! And if 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 you're into guys, whether you're a girl or a guy who's into guys, their outfits are just as revealing as the girls. So you'll enjoy it too. There's something for everybody on that show. I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, guilty pleasure because I understand that it's not something that I, I look at it and I think I shouldn't like this, but. Yet I do. <laughs> yeah. Any, anybody who knows me or follows me on social media knows that I'm just completely unabashed geek and nerd. I mean, America's got talent, gets some play in our household, but for the most part, it's like if I'm not, if there's not a starship in there somewhere, or if there's not a hobbit traipsing around trying to kill some dark lord somewhere, then I, you know, I, I kind of don't watch it. So. I, w I would watch more of those type of reality shows, the competition type shows, if they didn't purposely show the bad auditions. I yeah. I don't like that at all. And yes, I know that some people show up and do bad auditions just for the hope that they'll be bad enough to get on TV. But there are people who they gen they genuinely think they have a talent and they go on these shows and they're not good and then they get shown on TV and essentially made fun of and I do not like that. Like I get the people yeah, that's who go in there. Why I never got into American Idol. Yeah, I it seemed I like there can't... was way too much laughing at going on. And yeah, I, I'm not about that at all. I'm like, celebrate the talent, absolutely. And yes, there are going to be people who think they're talented and are not. I get it. But you don't have to show us them and you don't have to show the judges being blatantly mean to them about it as well. Yeah. And that's that's where they lose me on those reality shows when they show the bad auditions. I mean, it's like the only other one that I'll watch and I don't watch it on my own. I, I watch it with my wife because she's really into dancing as well. But the newer, the new uh, dancing competition show, uh, a world of dance, world of dance is really good one. They don't show the auditions; they just they jump right into the competition, and all of the dancers right. are really good. And they have it's again. I tune out when the judging starts. I don't really care about the scores or any of that. I just watch the dancing. But it's great because it's more than just 
couples dancing. It's there's groups, there's solos, there's couples. There's, it's if you if you like watching dancing, which I do, then you'll you'll probably like that show as well. Um, the other one was uh, so you think you can dance. I think they've gone away from showing as many of the bad. Like I think they've toned that down a bit. But I still like my wife watches it, and I'll watch it with her. After they get past audition, when they get into the show, I, I, I told her, I'm like, I'm not watching the auditions. You, right, you can watch right, that right. on your own because I'm not about, yeah, some of the auditions are fantastic. And sometimes the auditions are the best, um, just the reactions when you see somebody who you don't think is going to be good at something and they end up being really good. Um, one of the best, one of the most moving videos I've ever seen actually is an audition video from, I, I want to say it's American Idol. But it mm-hmm. might have been America's Got Talent, or it might have been Britain's Got. Oh, I don't even know. But it was Paul Potts' first oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, audition, and when he comes out there, and he's this kind of mousy-looking dude, and he comes out there, and they're like, "What do you, what you, what do you do for a living?" He's like, "I sell cell phones." And they're like, "Okay, what are you gonna do for us? I'm, I'm gonna sing some opera." And they're like, "Oh God, what, what have we gotten ourselves into?" And then he just unleashes this voice that's like, "What?" <laughs> Yeah. And all of the judges are like, yeah. like that's what you get for making assumptions based on appearance. Um, but it was it was pretty powerful. So I don't mind those auditions, but I feel like I feel like they could get by just showing us those and not showing us bad auditions just for the sake of bad auditions. Yeah. And especially when they follow the people out after they've been told they're bad and like get them on camera crying and or being mad. And it's like I just that's a that's a private moment for those people. Like that is an emotional moment that they need to process on their own. Like, yes, yes, they open themselves up for it by going on a reality TV show. But at the same time, that's still a human being that you're exploiting for your television program in a horrible, horrible way. And I don't, I don't appreciate that, which is why I try not to support shows that do that on a regular basis. Yeah. The whole appetite for negativity or, you know, the train wreck effect, whatever you want to call it. it's just, if you're that type of human being, go away. Yeah. Just <laughs> you, you've got you've got plenty of shows that cater directly to you. Go yeah. binge Jackass if you if you need to see people hurting yeah. themselves or being put into compromising situations or whatever. They have shows yeah. devoted to to your uh, your particular fandom. Um, and the thing with America's Got Talent that gets me is I love when they've got something other than a singer on. I'm like, there's 500 singing competitions out there right now. I wish America's Got Talent would just abolish singers. Be like, you you sing? You know what? There's like three other shows down the street for you. Yeah. You want to yeah. do literally anything else, then come here. Because that's what I love. I love seeing the dance or the magic or even like the comedy has not been good on America's yeah. Got Talent. When they've had comedians, it's been pretty spotty. I'm like, there's much better yeah. comedians at like your local comedy club that are you – know, Go to open mic night on at, at any comedy club, and you'll hear better stuff than you get on America's Got Talent for comedy. But yeah. it's but I love when they have something out of the ordinary, like a fire dancer or um, like the the Cirque type uh, performances. Mm-hmm. Um, they had somebody that was like like weird like balance beam on a pole thing one time that was just like so odd and amazing to watch like that's the kind of stuff i dig um show me show me something other than just singing yeah good singing is great but it is just singing and we've seen singing enough (laughs) go go down the go down the hall to american idol or the voice or literally any of those other shows and have at it with the singing but come here come here with the magic and the uh oh that's the other reality tv show that i will watch fool us with penn and teller i have not seen that 
It is a. And I'm a. I'm a pretty big Penn and Teller fan. Oh, you need to. You need to watch this. This is a. It's a fantastic okay. show. Basically, the premise of the show. It's. It is a reality competition, so to speak, but it's not necessarily uh, pitting one okay. against the other. It's. They come on stage, they do their trick, and the idea is whether or not they can fool Penn and Teller as to how they accomplished the illusion. If Penn and Teller can guess how they did it correctly, and they don't give it away, that's the best part, is they use like industry terminology to like, okay, we think you did a swipple swapple or something like that, you know, something like that, some kind of terminology that a non magician would have absolutely no idea what they're talking about, but they immediately know, okay, yeah, you know how I did it. Um, and if they are able to fool Penn and Teller, then they are invited to come open one of their shows in Las Vegas. So um, they've had some absolutely amazing magicians come on, and uh, some of them, some of the some of the best ones, Penn and Teller have known how they did their illusions, but they were still f- fantastic to watch. And some of the other ones, there was one guy who came on and did like a, a whole bit. It was like seven or eight different tricks. In, in a row and one of his tricks happened to be like he had one of the audience members write their name on a card and mm-hmm. then he vanished the pen you know like he made the <laughs> made the made the marker disappear right right and right. when they turn to pen and teller they're talking to each other and they're like trying to figure out and uh he they, they he said he's like um well we you know there were a couple of things in there that that we recognize but for the most part uh you definitely fooled us. I mean, we're still trying to figure out how you disappeared the fucking pen. <laughs> it was, it, it's, it's a great, it's a fun show. I, I enjoy it because I do like Penn and Teller. Teller stays in character. He doesn't talk except whispers to Penn. Um, right, right. Um, a lot of people don't know that that is just a character. He is doing the, the silent routine is just a character. That's he does talk bit, yeah. in normal life. That was his actual voice in the episode of the Simpsons <laughs> on which yep. Penn and Teller appeared. Um, I have heard him speak. He has spoken to me. Me and uh, my wife went to a show in Vegas many years back. And after the show, they were in the hallway greeting people and like saying hello and stuff. And I, I spoke with him, shook his hand. And I was like, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to Teller. <laughs> yeah, he he uh, had a speaking part in one of the a couple of the Big Bang Theory episodes oh. uh, near this near the series finale. I, I don't know if you're a big fan of that series, but um, he played um, Sheldon's fiance's dad. Okay, all right. And so, but yeah, and he kind of did the the quiet bit. It's like every time he would start to say something, his wife would cut cut in over him and, and <laughs> cut him off. So there was that whole gag going on. And then, but when it really mattered, when he needed to say something that would really deliver a zinger, that's, that's when they would let him talk. So it was, it was pretty good. But, that's good. I, that's one of those shows that um, it's, it's ruined for me by the laugh track. And yes, I get that. It's not technically a laugh track, quote unquote, as Bill Prady will jump on you track, yeah. at, if you, if you tweet about the laugh track on Big Bang Theory. There's no laugh track. It's filmed in front of a live studio audience. It's still a track of laughter that we have to sit through after the joke's been delivered. Right. For a show that's about smart people, you sure seem to think your audience is too dumb to know when to laugh. Right. If a joke is funny, I'll laugh at it. I hate when they drop a joke that's barely chuckle worthy. And I want to chuckle, I want to smile at it, but then it's followed by uproarious laughter as if it was the funniest thing that's ever been said. And I'm like, no, it wasn't worth all that. And so now I'm thinking about that instead of thinking about the joke, you've done lost me. Right, right. So, and I also think they do the, the they do the nerd trope a little 
too hard, I think. Uh, being a nerd myself, I feel like it's a little exploitive of that. But I can get past that if the jokes are funny. And a lot of the episodes, I, I mean, I've laughed for sure. But it's not something that I can binge because I start getting wary of the laugh of, of the laughter itself. Like I, I much prefer my sitcoms yeah, yeah. to be um, like Modern Family esque or uh, you know something like that, where yes, the jokes are delivered, but then there's no pause for laughter. The next line is is being delivered, and you 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 can get a build up much better that way because you can get the joke and then the retort and then another retort, and you can go back and forth, and it doesn't feel as forced or fake. It feels mm-hmm. more realistic without being too realistic where there are shows like um i know a show called parenthood i don't know if you watched that one got a lot of love won a bunch of awards my wife loved it i could not stand watching it because they were always talking over each other every single episode and i'm I'm like i know that's how it was written and i know it was meant to be realistic because that is sometimes how families speak but for tv it drove me nuts Uh it 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 ruined the the whole plot and story everything for me because i'm just like oh my god let him finish his line uh this is tv guys deliver your line then you deliver your line then you deliver your line that's the way it works come on um but some people loved it uh so hey again to each their own not trying to to shame anybody well, not too many people, just the Big Brother fans. Um, <laughs> unless it's like, I'll accept it if it's like your your guilty pleasure type of thing. Like it's you enjoy it because of the badness of it. You know, like like the way I love the room. I know it's a terrible movie with a terrible story, terrible dialogue, terrible acting, horrible directing. But yet I've seen it probably a dozen times, and I it makes me laugh every single time. I know it's supposed to be a drama, but it makes me laugh every single time I watch it. So I get enjoyment from it, even though it is terrible. So I can understand that. If that's the reason you're watching it, okay. I'm okay with that. Um, If you're seriously invested in the quote-unquote people and their lives, I would would maybe suggest some some professional help. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to say you're crazy per se. But you yeah, might be yeah, a little yeah. fucking nuts. I know we're basically saying that, you know, we don't want people to judge us for our nerdy pursuits, <laughs> you know, but and, you know, but it's like at the same time, it's like how banal. How Welcome empty. to the hypocrite hour with Chris and Eric. Um, yeah, it's like, it's like, um, no, but 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 for real, like, honestly, if if that's what. Like I said, it's it's not something that I could ever watch, and I don't even like the premise. The ver the mere idea of it gives me just qualms about life in general, and the fact that we live in a society that thinks that this is okay. Yeah. But if that is your but, escape from, it's not the demographic we're after here. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's it's unlikely that you're into the same stuff as us if that's what you're into. But it's not necessarily a, like I said. I I. I Guaranteed, the majority of our demographic probably doesn't watch Dancing with the Stars either, but yet I love it. So I I will accept if you like it, yeah. but I won't be happy about it. I mean, I think we've dunked about as hard as one could expect us to dunk on people. Yeah, we're we're we're, we're <laughs> really not, not like we're as judgmental have... as we make it sound. Yeah, it's, it's it's I don't see us in our lineup having a dunk on the Kardashians episode. <laughs> <laughs> With, now, what we could do, uh, in progressive theory, layers of dunk happening. I don't, I don't see that happening. What, what we so. could do, in theory, uh, come around April or so, just 
maybe just I'm thinking time wise, you know, when we'd be able to fit into the schedule. We could do an episode devoted to reality TV and how great it is um, somewhere around I don't know, maybe the first of April. Cool, I think that would cool, be a good. Great. I think that could be a a good time for us to drop that episode. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> don't think you can bring yourself to even fake it for an April mm. Fool's episode. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Uh, me neither, because it would require watching at least enough episodes to talk like I knew what I was talking about. And honestly, right now, I I couldn't even tell you what season they're on, let alone a single name of a person who's competed in yeah. it in the last ten years. Yeah. And I say I use the term compete very loosely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So anyway, if you've if you've stuck with us this long, thank you. I really appreciate it. Yes, yes. Um, real quick before we sign off, uh, what are what are you uh, drinking this evening? Uh, so at the top of the show, I was macro brewing it with a Guinness Draft Stout. Okay. And about a quarter of the way or a third of the way through the show, some of those of you who were paying attention may have heard me crack open a Land Grant Massive Juicy Vale Ale, which is mm. a a local micro brew um, from the Land Grant Brewery here in Ohio, and it's uh, it's a Columbus Crew Soccer Club um, partnership, and that was uh, that was a pretty solid brew. So I will have to to see if I can get my local uh, beverage emporium to carry some of their stuff because it sounds like they've got some good stuff, and my uh, my local store that uh, I like to go to. Uh, Joseph's Beverage for anybody listening in Toledo, Ohio, specifically on Talmadge. Shout out to them. They always have a great selection and good prices, and they're really friendly people. Like, you go in there, you can talk to them, and I've made several suggestions of some Arizona breweries that I said they should try to reach out to and see if they can get some stuff, but they always love to carry stuff that's local, um, whether it be local in specifically Toledo or whether it be local in, you know, Toledo is in, for those who don't know, we are in the northern part, the very, very northern part of Ohio. So Detroit and the rest of southern Michigan is also considered part of a local area. But uh, Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati also considered local because they're within the state. So we see a lot of breweries from Cleveland and Cincinnati and Akron even, um, mm-hmm. as well as stuff uh, from Monroe and uh, Detroit. We see that pop up in this store quite uh, quite frequently. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in there and check and talk to them, see if it's something that um, they can get their hands on because I'd like to try it. And uh, many years ago, Eric and I used to do another podcast called Science and Beer uh, where we talked about science and beer, oddly enough. And uh, one thing that we always encouraged our listeners to do was if you have a brew that you want to recommend, you know, feel free to friend us on Untapped or shoot us a recommendation. And if we like it, we'll give you a shout out on an episode. And uh, we, we always love to discover new beers mm-hmm. and uh, always love to try new, new brews and, and see what people like, all part of that audience interaction. Absolutely, yeah. Um, this evening, while we've been recording, I've been sipping on a Hazy Hero, Hazy IPA from Revolution Brewing. Um, it is uh, quite tasty. Um, Revolution is out of Chicago, I believe, if I recall correctly. Let me look at the can. Yes, I was right. Chicago is uh, where Revolution is based out of. They have a whole series of beers that are something hero. I've actually had their multi-pack that had like three or four different of their hero brews in them. Um 
it did not include the Hazy Hero at the time, so this is new to me as of today. I am really enjoying it. I'm I'm big on the IPAs in general. Yes, I am a basic white bitch, and that means that I like the IPAs. Um, Speaking yeah. of white basic white bitches, have you had any White Claw hard seltzer yet? Because apparently that's all the rage in Ohio right now. I am not that white. <laughs> I am the whitest man you will ever meet, but I am not that white. Um, I, I am not a blonde uh, college douchebag, so no, I have not. I honestly, I don't. Yeah, I don't care if if you like hard seltzers, good for you. I remember when they were called gin and tonics. You know, that's how old <laughs> I am, I guess. Um, but it's never been my thing. Like I've never liked gin and tonics. I've never liked vodka tonics. I I prefer more flavor. If I'm having a, if I'm gonna have a mixed drink, I want flavor. I will go over the top. One of my favorite mixed mixed drinks ever was called the Fruit Loop. It was a it was specific to a, a particular club in Arizona. But what it was made with was uh, rum, vanilla schnapps, which is way too hard to find. But it was rum, vanilla schnapps, pineapple juice, and grenadine, I believe. There may have been something else in there that I'm forgetting, but it's been a while. And it did actually taste a little bit like Fruit Loop cereal. And it was delicious. And it would get you messed up real quick because um, they would usually make it at this particular club. They would usually make it with the Bacardi 151 instead of the regular rum, if you asked. So if you said, give me a Fruit Loop with 151, they would be more than happy to overcharge you for that. And but it was delicious and gets you messed up. But I don't do mixed drinks very often. Um, typically, yeah. I'm a beer or whiskey guy. I like my scotch. Um, I like my Irish whiskeys and my Canadian whiskeys as well. Not big on the rye. I think that's really the only whiskey oh, that I straight good up rye don't is like. That, buddy. I never never got into the rye. I'm also not a huge fan of uh, corn mash whiskeys. So your Tennessee whiskeys, your bourbons. Not a huge fan. Not opposed to them per se, but they tend to be a little on the sweet side for my particular taste. Yeah. Um, I, I I'll drink them, but. I prefer a Scotch or an Irish or a Canadian yeah. over them if I if I have the choice. But my my biggest pleasure is beer. Um, with wine, I'll drink wine, but wine is the one alcohol that I have not ruined my taste for the cheap stuff. With beer, <laughs> I can't drink the cheap stuff. You will never catch me with a Bud Light in my hand. Never. It won't happen. Yeah. If I'm at a party and all they have is Bud Light, then I'm drinking water. I don't care. I, I am not uh, enough of a drunk to have to have a, a Bud Light. I will not do it. If it's not going to taste, there's no point in, in drinking something that's not going to taste good, I feel. And yeah. if you do, if you are at that point where you will drink anything just to get drunk, then that's maybe something you need to explore as a different situation. But yeah, for me, I, I really enjoy the IPAs. I've been really digging hazy and juicy IPAs lately, but mm. all IPAs. I also really enjoy dark stuff, uh, brown ales, porters, stouts. Um, those, I, I love those, especially during the winter. I know they're considered winter beers, so I'm, that's not surprising. But I'll drink them during the summer, too. And I'll drink IPAs during the winter, so I mean, I don't really care what season it is. But I love when winter comes around, and a lot of those winter beers that I like are actually available. Uh, Sam Adams makes a really good chocolate stout that they only release around winter time, which makes me angry when it's the middle of summer, and I'm like, man, I can go for a good chocolate stout that doesn't cost too much. Where's that Sam Adams at? Yeah, Anchor out of uh, San Francisco makes a really good Christmas ale. 
And they also have a really good porter. So if you can find Anchor Porter or Anchor Christmas Ale, which, of course, is seasonal, um, I th- the, I, the Christmas Ale. I feel like I've had one or the other of those maybe in the past. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure. I mean, my, my beer. Their, their main product is Anchor Steam, which is their uh, just a, a typical lager. Mm-hmm. But um, all, of, all of which are good, but their, their porter is really solid. Yeah, I love a good porter, a good stout, um, especially if it's on the not as sweet side. I'm not a big fan of the syrupy sweetness. I, I like a little bit of sweetness, but not overboard, which is the only reason that I don't really like the very high IBV stouts and porters. Um, right, right. Like Dogfish has one out right now that's 16%. And I'd very much like well, to try it. That's a bit excessive. <laughs> I'd very much like to try it. I mean, because that's stronger than wine. I mean, most wine clocks in between 13 and 15. So this is a this is essentially a barley wine, you know, is what it is. Um, and so I'm my fear is that it's probably that syrupy sweet kind of flavor that you get from the high IBVs, especially in a porter or a stout, because you already have that chocolatey multi flavor. So it it lends itself to a sugary sweetness. And because it costs, uh, the dogfish head uh, that I saw was a four pack for $35 or an individual bottle for $9, an individual 12 ounce bottle for $9. That's more than I'm typically willing to spend for a beer or a four pack of beer. So the chances that I will taste this are slim unless somebody else buys it for me because I, I, I can't justify the cost of a six pack for a single 12 ounce beer, especially when I fear that it might be that I might not even like it. <laughs> right, right. Right. I'm like, that's one of those things that I'm like, I really wish I could get a sample somewhere first and find out because if it's good, if it's not too sweet, I could probably get down on that. And, you know, I'd be like, I could have one beer that night and be, be good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely hit us up. Uh, I'm on Untapped as I am on most social medias, at Eric J. Dewey. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped under that handle. Feel free to follow me. I like to follow back, so, you know, do that. You can also follow the show, of course. Uh, like I said previously, at It Matters Not Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also check our website out if you're not already there at everythingthatdoesntmatter.com or itmattersnotpod.com. Either way, we'll get you there. So do that. And uh, where can people find you on social media, Chris? Uh, Most people can find me on the social medias at that Adams guy underscores. So I'll make it easy for you. It's that underscore Adams underscore guy. And you can hit me up on Instagram or untap that way. Uh, fail book is usually reserved for friends and family. So <clears throat> otherwise you can reach me through the usual channels, uh, on, uh, via the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. That's why I don't, don't include my Facebook as part of my social media presence. That's more of my friends and family and people I actually know type of situation. Um, but definitely Twitter, Instagram untapped for sure. And yep. Facebook for the, the, the cast itself. We'll, we'll interact with you directly. It's it's just Chris and I have access to that It Matters Not pod on Facebook. So if you're messaging, it's one of us answering. So if, if you're only on the Facebooks, get to us through the podcast page and we will we will talk at you. Any uh, any parting thoughts, Eric? Um, just want to you know reiterate one last time that hey, everything that doesn't matter actually does. And we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate that with you if we can. So definitely uh, hit us up and let us know what you think you'd like to hear us talk about. 
can't make any guarantees. You know, I'm not going to say that we'll definitely talk about everything that's suggested, but we'll definitely take every suggestion under consideration. Um, also, if you let us know that you've listened to the show, we'll give you a shout out on the following episode because we definitely want to encourage our listeners to interact with us. So definitely do that. This show will be available on it. Every platform that you can think of that podcasts might be found will be on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spreaker, we're on Spotify, um, Podcoin, any place that you want to find your podcasts, we're there. Um, so if you if you stumbled across us somewhere else but you prefer using a different service, we'll be there too. And if you find a podcast service that doesn't have us, let us know so we can make sure to get ourselves on there. Awesome. Well, thanks for nerding out with us, everyone. Hope you nerd out with us again for the next episode. And uh, let us know what you're nerding out about. Goodbye, everybody.